Yeah. I'll react if I had to. Put some things in the past to and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to. Yeah. I'll react if I had to. Put some things in the past to and don't let them distract you, but react if you have to. Yeah. React if you have to. Yeah. Don't know the time, but just know that I'm yeah, one of a kind, yeah. What's on your mind, yeah? What hard to find, yeah? Beautiful mind, yeah. Still in my prime, yeah. Just know that I'm here. Yeah. What's up, guys? Pondoff's Anonymous, episode 35. 35, right, Jeff? That's right, 35. The higher we count, I, I start. I've already got my shoes off and counted with all my fingers, so I'm good. I have to always get the confirmation there. Yeah. Um, this one's uh, this one's pretty exciting, right? That's right, man. We've got a great guest today. And yeah, we do. I'll introduce him. His name is Ben Curtis. Ben, you want to say hi? Hello. Hi. I'm so <laughs> excited to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man. So you were asking earlier before we started how we found you, and the the way that we found you is. Um, Locally in St. Louis, that's where we're based. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of ours was on a show uh, called "What Would You Do?" And, oh. Yeah, so he was one of the. I've heard of that show. Yeah, so he <laughs> was one of the people who um, was, you know, just the normal. He was the one that who got surprised by Mister John Kenyotis. Um <laughs> He, uh, it was an episode and. Um, Chris, I think they were talking about foster care. Um, a girl was coming out of the foster care system. She needed a job, and uh, mm. this coffee shop owner didn't want to give her a job. And so, oh, I, said, I remember this is a recent one. It's it's yeah, a recent it one, and in fact, I saw the, that one. You saw it because the second part of it was um, a, a man who uh, was in recovery, going to a bar, and um, he his wife was trying to pressure him to have a drink. And the actor was Ben Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw you on that one. Um, they, you know, they kind of said uh, your background um, that you are on a very uh, famous commercial that stood out to me from my youth. The dude you're getting Adele. This is you. That's right. <laughs> yep. And it so was me. I said, my goodness, uh, I, I I remember that commercial. And, um, there's several commercials. And, uh, so I'm like, I gotta, I gotta watch those again. And it's so funny to go back and watch them with those humongous, like PC towers and all that. <laughs> but, um, that was, uh, so for me, I'm like, well, this guy is like the biggest celebrity in the world because for any millennial who remembers those commercials, you know, <laughs> may even be before millennials, to be it honest. Might be, yeah, I mean, I, maybe, I, maybe millennials. So I'll give it to them when they were like 10, 9, 10. Are you a millennial? Right. I'm a, technically a millennial. Oh, so wow. I'm, All right. On the older side, I'm 35. So I'm on the older side of millennials. But. Okay. But you'd remember because you were in college during that time. Yeah. My character even went to college. Yes. <laughs> nice. Towards the end. I gave a graduation <laughs> on a real college campus. No way. Oh, man. Is that on YouTube somewhere? Because I'll have to look that up. I can't find it. It's It's <laughs> got to be. It was one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it was called... I don't know the graduation. There was mm-hmm. I did a lot of them, but that was that was one that really stood out. But you've also that was a really this. a mess that day. Actually, speaking uh, of recovery, hitting uh, bottom, we'll get there. But we'll get there for sure. You've you've also acted in a lot of different. Most recently, one of the things I've seen you in um, is an episode of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You were in that. Uh, yeah, I love which this is a show. I'm so excited to be on that. Yeah. I was trying to get my band on that because we do some music from some sort of like uh, speakeasy kind of music and oh, bluegrass killer. and folk and that's awesome. Um, and then I got the audition for this old folk or for this old timey folk singing cowboy, and that was yeah. like it was right up my alley. It was yeah. so fun <laughs> and cheeky and. That show's incredible, and everyone was so humble on it. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, that's what I was most impressed by. Yeah, because you would. Yeah, that was a great episode. Um, and then also, I mean, what are some other things you've been on? I know, I think you've been on Law and Order SVU. Maybe is that right? Or one of the, the Law original Orders? Law and Order? Okay, yeah. Were you? Yeah, I've seen them all. I got them. I mean, I, it's the last, I record them. It's one of the last ones. Um, 
I'm on there with Sam Waterston and yeah. I am a veteran who has PTSD and was not taken care of when he came back from war, which was based on a headline from the news of real stuff happening. And he ended up um, having an outbreak and murdering a homeless man who also turned out to be a veteran who wasn't taken care of. Um, and then what war, what war did you come home from? I want to say Iraq. Um, it was one of the last episodes of the last season. You you might have been on last night. I I, I you guys it's possible. I've started getting these fat residual checks. I mean, they've gone from three dollars <laughs> to like seven and a half dollars. How about every, that? Every yes. three to six months, you know, not I've, quite the Bobby Bonilla contract, but it, it's it's close, right? Yeah. Hey, I mean, this was a solid fifteen ten years ago, so. Yeah. I, I'm I a musician too. Yeah, I'm a musician too, and I've written like one song that every now and then I get like a 15 cent check for. Hey, so, you know it's really cool. Oh, uh, I saved off. those checks. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, like yeah, it, it's not worth cashing, but I ben, get those as well. Yeah, Ben, I wasn't going to get all fanboy on you, but when you, I, I didn't realize you were in a Law and Order, and, and people know I, I'm obsessed with Law and Order. <laughs> I have been. I mean, it's like my go to sleep, go to bed show because it's always on right yeah yeah Yeah, especially Uh, late night i probably have seen i I don't think there's an episode i haven't seen when i i mean that all the way like to the 1990 ben i wish i could just pull up my screen and share it with you real quick i'm sure i've got a clip somewhere it's pretty awesome if you if you find it feel feel definitely an uh open book here on this uh on this podcast (laughs) i um the funny thing about that what would you do episode as jeff mentioned that we were all tuned in because a close family friend was was the guy on it that that stuck up for the the foster um the the girl that was coming out of foster care and so there was a foster care scene and then there was the recovery scene and i and and everybody's like oh pond off you gotta you gotta watch this like my me and my wife have fostered a uh we're licensed foster parents in missouri and then here i am a you know a recovering alcoholic and um there's that episode it was it was a it, it just was a crazy thing so then afterwards jeff's calling me and like hey what do you think the chances uh we could get this guy on the show i'm like jeff i love when you aim big and he ain't big and here you are man and uh and, and the, what a pleasure the power of asking is yes. is my honor i it's not often i get to talk about recovery addiction well not publicly on mm, this kind sure. of platform. I talk about it quite often on my Instagram account, the Ben Curtis official, because uh, some of you know I'm also a coach now, and I work with sensitive, and creative men, you know, finding their power, their light, their purpose, and a lot of that is self care. Um, so I talk about these things and talk about the struggles I've been through because I don't coach anything I haven't been through. And I've been through a lot, which is also probably what makes me a strong actor <laughs> to be able to play all these roles. Um, you know, role playing is how I survived growing up and uh, people pleasing and um, chasing validation and seeking um, a high from outside myself, you know, and people and, um, coming up in a broken home where, where humor was greatly needed and someone had to act out the drama because mm. uh, I'm a preacher's kid and uh, my whole really? family's in therapy. We're, we're like super liberal. I mean, my dad was a Episcopal minister, but he was also the first openly gay minister in the South. And he, one of the things that came when he came out, when he really dealt with that was when he dealt with his uh, addiction and his trauma from his past. And, um, and then that kind of had my whole family look at, look at all of theirs. Uh, but I was the only drinker in the family, really. Um, I really, <laughs> I really was the first one. To, I took it to a whole new level. Um, you know, and I thought it was bad circumstances, but, uh, you know, I just learned it was just a, addiction or the nature of disease, dis-ease, growing up without the right tools, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I also, I've played a lot of soldiers, a lot of people with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, 
We Are the Hartmans, a movie I, I co-produced and starred in with Richard Chamberlain. is a comedy, but I play a soldier just back from Afghanistan. And um, just a lot of people are, because I can relate to people who have been through trauma and addiction or suffering. And, um, and now what I really work with men on is, is and, and women too, women work with me as well. Um, reason I focus on it with men is because I've learned that, you know, my emotions, my pain, my past is actually can be my purpose and my message and I can help other men through those spaces. And, um, that's really what's led me to, to start coaching as well as being a performer and living by example to do what I love. That's also part of my healing. Um, so now, and, and actually after I recovered, like I thought I needed all this pain to be a great artist. And mm-hmm. um, as soon as I sort of gave myself permission to, to set myself free of that, it's, it was incredible what opened up. Uh, I found out I didn't need to suffer to be successful. And that was huge. That it, it, there's a couple things here that are just like blowing the lights. Uh, like I feel like I'm in a stadium full of lights going off. Um, Jeff, did you know this yeah, about tell me. about I, Ben's re, uh, religious background and his father? I sure didn't. Nope, I had no I clue. Mean, it, it's so ironic, Ben. We uh, the church Jeff and I go to um, are here in St. Louis is, is exactly what you described about being, uh, it's probably the most liberal church in terms of, um, I decided, I mean, it, hate to even label it. It's just, it's just non, non-fucking exclusive, man. And, uh, pardon my French. I'm a Is that on the side? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's, it should be. Um, the Blake, Blake church welcomes you non-fucking exclusive. They say no, they say no asterisks. All are welcome. No asterisks. And that's how I, that's how I, uh, decide N F E. It's, um, no, some churches have those little digits after the numbers at, at the end. Like, yeah. What does that mean? Right. I like that. We might have yeah. to add that. We'll talk to me about it. Yeah. The lead pastor is great. He, he, um, and he's a personal friend. Um, He's he helped literally pull me from the from rock bottom, um, and this the the church has it is probably the biggest home in in St. Louis to the LGBTQ community. Um, oh wow! And li- sitting worshiping with folks and and being a part of a church with folks that have been um, just fucking bullied and cast out. Um, in the name of religion is uh it gets fires me up and it really fires jeff up and mm-hmm. you know um it's just changed it, it's just a, amazing that you come from that and we didn't even know because mm-hmm. uh if you're ever in st louis you gotta you'll, you'll you check us out on a sunday you'll you'll like the search it's called the gathering in st louis and it's we have three sites spread out across the city and um it's it's amazing my in fact i met my wife there who was is from la she went to pepperdine which is a church of christ and she worked there and really left there because of their their you know asinine views on on sexuality and it's Mm -hmm. and then so she moves to st louis of all places to to get her social work master's degree and found that church and that's how i met her why the fuck she's with me i've said this on this podcast a million (laughs) times i don't know but i'm not you know, I'm not quite I'm just kind of keeping my fingers crossed, crossed so we can stick together. So that really stuck out when you said that. And how how cool is that? We could probably do a whole nother podcast episode on, on that. Um, well, I want to say your, you're definitely doing something right. So I would say uh, stop questioning the how and just enjoy <laughs> that you've got a wife that loves you and, you know, healthy relationships, especially post pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's made or break a lot of relationships. Absolutely. We, we and also, that. I go to a high school. I went to a high school. It was all boys, Christian. Um, some boys, it was in Tennessee, but some went to Pepperdine. Um, and my high school is really struggling with the, because uh, it was an all boys private school, uh, boarding students as well, really struggling with the hazing around um, and and just intolerance around sexuality and race and mm gender and um you know it's caused a big uproar there's still a lot of um places struggling to move on and Mm -hmm. uh but we just you know one thing i try to do is is 
ask questions and learn from their experience and know that uh, we've each been raised differently and have our own experience. And we just have to give people the space to be themselves and grow their own way and live by example. That's really what I believe. Amen to that. And I kid, we always call Jeff, Jeff the liberal because he's a very outspoken <laughs> liberal. I, uh, you know, That's I like came... my dad too. <laughs> my dad wore like cowboy boots or like, or Birkenstocks while he was preaching and like really proud of it. Uh-huh. Like, nice. I voted for Clinton, you know, like, <laughs> right on the pulpit, you know, okay. But, you know, the ironic thing. of church and state, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the ironic thing is, is Jeff here, uh, the, the article he sent, he sent me on you to, um, way back when, when the, well, less, the earlier this month when that show came out was a fo- was from foxnews.com. <laughs> and I said, oh, wow. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff's only article, the only article he's probably ever read on Fox might News right. was I, one that get you here. So yeah, yeah. Um, our, our, I've been uh, in their I, building I, several times. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, well, good for you. And uh, yeah, get to so know that, that the other. You know, I'm just teasing. <laughs> They've been wonderful, actually. They've been really. Fox News has been really supportive, and um, hearing the story, truth, and all that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. I, I like to hear that because I. You know, I grew up in a Fox News uh, house. Uh, well, I don't want to say house because it was a split house. Yeah, I did too. My, I did too. Yeah, we're not allowed to even talk about it at the dinner table anymore. <laughs> if I'm at my it mother's, causes such yeah intense divide in the family it, immediately. It makes people angry, man. Like it, it's it's really it it, it does. Jeff, um, you've been quiet over there. What's hey, going you know, on? I, You're the outspoken liberal. Come on, man. Yeah, Fox News is not for me. I can't. <laughs> But yeah, I did. I think that is pretty much the only article that I sent that I've ever read uh, on Fox News. You know, actually, the other article I sent was, um, I think, it was a video from TMZ. So you kind of started hitting your rock bottom in a very public way. Oh, is man. is that? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um. Yeah. I mean, everyone could read about it everywhere. <laughs> uh, hopefully, some of my positive videos and. And coaching, life coaching, and inspiration have made yeah. it. Yeah, I'd rather hear it, I'd rather hear it rest, from you than but... read it on on TMZ. So, <laughs> oh, good. Well, I talk about, um, you know, I don't hide any of that. That's a big thing I talk about. I'm very human, not yeah. perfect. Um, so, yeah, that was. Uh, I moved to New York um, to pursue my acting degree at NYU. I went to Tisch, and um, I became a party animal you know i'd gone from a preacher's kid in the south to being pretty good and you know i didn't really try experiment too much with drugs or alcohol and then like you know i was then i was in new york city and i was an actor it's like in my body (laughs) yeah i was like i was in my body for the first time it was like women were like into me for the first time for being sensitive and an actor i was like whoa (laughs) what is this because in the south that was not like hot you know i was in the magic (laughs) club and i was a cheerleader even though I played soccer, like all those things canceled each other out. <laughs> what part of Tennessee um, did you grow up? I was friends with the in, only gay the kid in school. You know all these things. Oh, so yeah. openly gay kid. Um, so you know, I went a little wild. And if you know you're an alcoholic or you just pour gasoline on the fire, and getting fame with some of that too. But I really chased acting, and um, and I, th- I think you know I. I really was, I believe in myself. I believe in my talent. That's how I got into that school. And I really took it super, super seriously. Um, so I was not trying to destroy my life at all. But then um, I got like the fame hit overnight with the Dell commercials. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like 19. I was maybe a sophomore in college. And I was trying to like get ahead because I thought it would take, you know, years or a lifetime. And overnight I booked this national campaign for Dell computers. It was exciting. I had money. Um, I was paying off school loans, but I was also spending it because I didn't have enough self-worth to know how to hold on to it. And um, and then a lot of fame was coming with that, but that was creating more trauma because that was just holding up a magnifying glass to what was going on underneath me. And if you give an addict, you know, money, <laughs> what are you going to do with it? You know, my mom tried to teach me good values of holding on. My dad believed, you know, spend it while he got it. Um, uh, I hear you. But I still, I was young and I, and I, um, 
let's try that again. Um, so I just didn't have the self-worth to really own it and use it and learn how to use it as a good energy. And uh, I probably didn't believe I was worth it. And I definitely didn't think it was going to go away. Um, so, you know, once you get some status, you get, you know, you get a little title. And I started to like, you know, people used to give me marijuana, but um, I still would have to order it from delivery services. And so this back then, people would come on bikes or cars. And um, this was in New York City. So I was like ordering delivery service of some weed for my friend's birthday. And we were also both dating women from Scotland at the time. So nice. He took me to (laughs) Scotland. So we both were wearing kilts, proper Scottish style, which means no knickers, (laughs) nay knickers. Um, And lo and wouldn't, you know, guess what? I got arrested at at New York Uh city. Freaking kilt with no underwear. Um, Yeah, there's undercover cops following the delivery service. Mm. And that was the guy buying. And then they figured out who I was. and I got mocked in jail. I got let out early because the lawyers found me. And, man, it was insane. And then everyone came out of the woodwork. Like, man, why didn't you tell me? I would have given you weed. You know, my friend was bringing it on the way to the party. And my poor Scottish girlfriend was visiting. And... Um, it was traumatic, but one of my best friends, his father's a criminal defense attorney in Baltimore. So he knew to bring me some pants and underwear pronto, <laughs> but that, was, that I, killed, I, I, that I killed been... actually kept me in a, in a cell by myself for a little while, which is very, very <laughs> nice. You, of the officers, yeah. <laughs> even though they mocked me the entire time. Oh, oh my God. Shit, it's the Dell dude. It is the Dell. Where's the Dell now, buddy? You know, <laughs> I created... I have a whole one man show about, you know, my um my freedom from suffering, freedom from addiction, freedom from self and and I have this great where I'm in a jail cell and I'm the only one who gives myself permission to actually let myself out at the end. And that's where mm. I kind of see freedom from addiction. But uh I have this um this police officer I had a character that's that's that guy. Like it's like my officer crumpy of uh of the Dell days. <laughs> I mean, this story is epic. I was handcuffed to a wheelchair in the psychiatric ward in Bellevue at some point. Um, it was a long weekend. Wow. And not the only time I've been arrested. So my final one was a DUI. So yep. there goes the uh, the alcoholism I could hide from no further. Mm-hmm. Right. No one even knew about that one. That one was way worse, but... You know, it's interesting what makes the press. Right. <laughs> it. Uh, I. I. I am now. Um, you know, sometimes you grow up. You're like, man, I just I want to make it. I want to make it. I am so fucking grateful that I didn't have that kind of spotlight on me through my uh, trials and tribulations. If you mm. say that would be, uh, it would be brutal. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that why you see all these celebrities. Celebrities just crumble because you're watching them. Um, have fame and money for the first time, but it doesn't mean that they're fixed. It just means that they're good at what they do. And so you add those extra pressures and it's, it's brutal. You know, yeah. you, like you saw for those of you who were alive back then, you Britney Spears, shave her head mm-hmm. and crumble. And, um, you know, even Dave Chappelle had kind of a meltdown and, um, so many celebrities who you see die from overdose and addiction after being, sober for years and mm-hmm. um by the way i'm gonna have eight years in september without alcohol so that's awesome. congratulations, congratulations. big thing coming up ben that's huge um it and i want to ask a couple questions you it, ask away yeah we're yeah. just talking this is great i hope i'm just kind of rambling you know no, this is please do. Me. well that reminds me here's another story that's a, yeah, that's that's a awesome. uh, rambling podcast and um i i i heard you say earlier about how and how you're coaching and i want to get to that um i'm i i struggle with the my i've noticed this i'm struggling with the coaching part i'm I, i've noticed i've you know, you kind of recognize your own strengths and weaknesses. I, I'm stronger at meeting somebody at rock bottom and help trying to help them get the help they need and deserve. And that sounds and, like a pretty I, good coach to me. 
Well, I'm, I'm always I'm looking for people and uh, and resources that once somebody has gotten sober, who they they need the I you know I, I direct them to sponsors in the program and which I don't mm-hmm. do AA personally, but I uh, I've guest spoke at AAs and I believe in it for people. It saved a mm-hmm. lot. It saved a lot of lives. I think. Um, that's why I call it Pondos Anonymous. We try to be kind of a hybrid of that where AA is all about anonymity. And, and I was telling somebody earlier today that sharing our stories, every time we share our stories of of recovery, we at least one person, I, I would argue that multiple people, but at least one person finds hope in that story. And with the platform that you have, that's incredible. And that's why I'm doing this is because we're trying to, show people some hope and that the impossible is possible and that's why we started this this podcast is because we believe in any way to get sober that that works for somebody but Mm -hmm. um you know we have uh one of my best friends has a has a couple treatment facilities he one of his treatment facilities where he's out of now is in um i think it's marlboro new jersey called discovery institute and they've taken some people in um he now has a place in st louis it's just i find my strength in getting people and sitting with people in their pit and then and then post um i I don't feel i feel inadequate sometimes trying to help the person because i'm not a therapist um i'm not a licensed uh, recovery coach i'm more maybe of an interventionist and i i want to hear more about it in a little bit about your your mission, because um, even if it's people just looking you guys up and and knowing that there's people out there that are good recovery coaches, uh, mm. does that make sense? Or am absolutely, I do you have permission to offer a little coaching on what you just shared? Amen. Please, all the all help right. I can get. So, first of all, I wanted to just say I really heard your acknowledgement and and your commitment here on this podcast to helping anyone get clean or sober or find recovery or find help by any means necessary. And I think that is incredible. There's no, even AA will say, or people in there, AA has no, you know, outside opinion or authority, but people in there will say, uh, and out of there, there's no right way to get sober, you know? And if anyone tells you otherwise, then excuse my French, but fuck them, you know, (laughs) because it's your life. And, uh, 12 steps really helped me and has not been the only thing we need a lot of tools and support. And I'm not a therapist either. Um, I've had a lot of therapy though. Sure. And I've thought about becoming a therapist, <laughs> but what did I wanted to say about coaching and what you shared and what I often hear that's important. And I used to struggle with in the words of like, I'm powerless because I really believe what we say, our words, create our thoughts, create our actions, create our world. So you know, that's why I pointed out when you say, like, I have no idea why my wife is with me or I have I really struggle with um, with helping people once once they've gotten off of rock bottom, you know, in her baseline. What I hear you say is like, now what do I do with them? Um, so, you know, I just want to say that because, Chris, you offer both of you offer incredible service to the world. So why wouldn't a woman want to be with a man who's in touch with his feelings, has open conversations publicly? Um, Why wouldn't anybody want to be with that and owning your value and get that also. And the way you speak about yourself, you know, as long as whatever I believe the universe is a giant yes button. So whatever you say about yourself, you'll get proof of. So if you say, Hey, listen, I struggle with this. You're probably going to get proof that you're, you struggle with that. Um, one thing I like to say, if you say it's hard, another way you could say that is this is unfamiliar, Mm -hmm. you know, helping people from the baseline up is unfamiliar for me. So, you know, I would just ask, what are you committed to and, and how much are you willing to receive? And are you willing to like, let that conversation go that you struggle with that? Cause that's why you haven't been open to receiving or able to receive any new tools to really take the next step because you have to be willing to let that conversation go that you struggle with that like that you are worthy of it and that you can do it well yeah i mean that's i'm starting to feel 
pretty good. Like, yeah, you I appreciate that. That's mm-hmm. uh, I wrote down your world words create our thought, our actions, and our worlds. Right? I, I mm-hmm. like that a lot, and mm-hmm. um, I wrote that down. So I, I appreciate that. Um, and and like you said earlier, that you know we're we 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 have a lot in common when we're when when I say I'm as human as they get, and people yeah people that know me know that and um uh, always a work in progress and there's well, being humble is good yeah you know i appreciate i don't that. always talk kindly about myself but that's why i work really hard on it and i call other people out on it because it helps me see because how we yeah. talk to ourselves is one of the most important tools and greatest keys to transforming that um the simple kind words yourself and that really gets you know recovery really begets a lot of those things that one of the greatest acts of kindness that you can do that it was the most uncomfortable one for me was getting sober like Mm -hmm. stop putting poison in my body that was probably the hardest thing i've ever done because i was so not even addicted but just dependent on habitually ingrained you know the track and a record that's just got that worn groove like that you know, was self-sabotage for me. Hmm. Like every time I started to do better, just like, you know, I couldn't even receive a compliment when I was doing well. And, you know, it's so easy for us to burn. And so what I really help men with and people with now is being kind to themselves and also acknowledging that you already have everything you need inside of you. Sometimes a coach or mentor just helps bring it out. You know, what's great that I can do as a coach that I can't do as a sponsor is I can go there with you and I can like not put up with your bullshit. I can hold you accountable for actions in your life outside of drinking and what you put in your body and what you say, but like, what are your actual goals and dreams now that you found your baseline? Hmm. So, um, Chris, all I would offer to you as a coach of what to do next is ask people what, what they want next. And, Mm -hmm what's important to them and what's worked and what would they like to try? And if anything was possible right now, what would it be? Because most of the time, everybody knows what they want to do. Just none of us are giving ourselves permission to do it. Giving myself permission to let go of business and let go of the need to be a successful actor right now, because I can't in a pandemic, I audition for stuff all the time, but or let go of the fact that my band can't play, you know, hasn't been able to play in live for six months or, any of that stuff has allowed me to step in the power of, oh, my God, I get to be of service as a coach right now. You know, like, wow, the universe provides all these gifts. We just sometimes they come in packages covered in a little bit of mud, you know, like a pandemic. And this is a, such a great time to stop and look at ourselves. And that can be really confronting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also an incredible time to create yourself newly. If you want to start treating yourself better and your body better. What a great time. And that there's so much help and support out there. Like not just me, but you know, there's no right way to do this. But hey, you if if your expertise, Chris, is getting people from rock bottom to baseline and you wanna like hand them off to someone whose expertise is baseline to skyline, like send them my way. You got I'd be it. happy to help anyone Absolutely. Uh, in your world and, and vice versa because I I've been a sponsor in AA, but I don't pretend to have all the answers. And that's not what I do in coaching. You know, I would gladly send people to a place where there's resources and support like this. And that's why I wanted to do this today. Yeah, well, I mean, everything you're saying is is giving me goosebumps, man. I, I mean that um, literally. I I do see often paralleled with our – and in my, this is definitely true about myself – is – the you know the addiction and the mental health is so tied together when i'm working with somebody post or post recovery or or in recovery i should say and i i i just i get scared of saying the wrong thing because of the the mental health um game is is it's not my i'm learning um but i know that you know Go see your therapist. You got to see your you to see a therapist. Uh, you these are the resources in your outpatient program, things like that. Um, yeah, and I'll just say I don't see you know I I have under I've dealt with mental illness. I have a lot of it and close to my family, and I don't see people who have a active mental illness who don't have support of a 
psychiatrist or psychologist mm. or a, some kind of doctor to handle a medical condition because we are not doctors and everyone yeah. needs a team. You know, yeah. I have Absolutely. all of those things too, actually. That's what I, um, I, I subscribe to completely is a sometimes call it your own personal board of directors, right? You have a, a team of people that that are, are, are really a group of, of no people, right? Um, of people that will tell you, hold you accountable, will tell you, you're, this is fucked up. You're doing, you're, your behavior is not right. Um, and, and on that team are people, whether it's, you know, for instance, you know, my pastor or ther- and therapist and really my primary care physician, um, as much as my mother wants to be on that team, I, I, I try to keep her off it, but she ma- <laughs> always makes her way on it. And <laughs> Jeff Allen, is he on that team? Jeff, Jeff, uh, me and Jeff, I was actually just pouring a little bit out to Jeff before yeah. we started about some things that uh, that I'm struggling with. So yeah, I could put Jeff Allen on that board of directors. <laughs> yeah, you, ben, be careful, Ben. You, you're you're, you're, you're on it whether you like yeah. it or not. All right. <laughs> hey, I love it. I I bought as many board of directors as possible. I want to make a difference in the world with as many people as yes. possible. Love it. You, when you, let's go back a little bit to when when you were using and drinking and you got that DUI. Was it a was it a oh shit I'm putting the bottle down? Uh, how how did that? How did you transition? Uh, I wish it had been that easy. I was a really, I'm, I'm really hard headed. I was a tough learner, man. It's, I'd been arrested three times. That was the third time. Or no, 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 that was the second. Oh my gosh, have I been arrested four times? No, I think that was this. It was because there was a bench warrant for it. You know, like I didn't handle it in time. Well, those don't count, right? And then okay. I got taken it. Well, if you have to spend the night in jail, I think it, it counts. Absolutely, <laughs> it's it's uh, what us. It's how we make excuses. Oh, that's not a big deal at Benchmark. Yeah, right? exactly. When I had a sponsor, I was like, he was like, "Dude, your higher power has been screaming at you for years. Like, how many more messages do you need?" You know, I was like, "Well, I just thought I'm unlucky." He was like, "I think the universe has been trying to give you a sign for a while. It's pretty obvious." Um, so, uh, what was the question again? Well, when did you decide that oh, right, right, enough right. was enough? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was not it. It was like, even my, I'd caused my girlfriend, just, I broke so many hearts to my girlfriend at the time. She, uh, was like waiting up for me that night and, um, we were already in an argument and she didn't drink already, which was wild. You know, like I was dating people who didn't drink or who were daughters of alcoholics or who were alcoholics. Um, and, uh, it, it just felt like more bad luck and it was, you know, I knew I'd had a problem. She had actually offered to take me to an AA meeting, but it just, it, it was amazing when it was enough. I even took a month off with, with her, but that was, you know, I smoked a lot of pot. I had a lot of non-alcoholic beer. Um, but that was pretty cool. <laughs> and I got a lot better, uh, during that time, but it was, it didn't last. So I don't, I think honestly what it took was a spiritual bottom, you know, an emotional bottom. Like I losing everything, it still wasn't, you know, I, I, it had ruined a relationship. It had jobs. I couldn't even keep a bartending job um, where I was allowed to drink. Um, so it was, uh, I think it was just this overwhelming anxiety that I, and I just, this feeling of, I can't live with this feeling inside anymore. Like I, I like I have a lot of resilience for pain, but this internal pain, I couldn't take it anymore. And I just kept asking the universe. I kept praying like, to God, my understanding, um, for help. And my mom was like, well, just ask, you know, ask the universe. I was like, well, I am fucking asking the universe. Nothing's <laughs> happening. And then it, it dawned on me that this friend of mine who I bartended with, we also smoked pot together, but she was an AA. And so I didn't learn later that, you know, it's helpful not to do either, but, um, she still was the one that got me in a meeting and, um, there's just so much love there and it was still confusing because I didn't think I was an alcoholic, but I definitely had a lot of unmanageability and a lot of powerlessness. Um, 
So I, I, I live with that denial and never, never fully sank in, but I definitely know I have, have an addictive personality and it's mostly like, I have just had that a really low self-esteem and learned a lot of codependency from my parents and, um, and not been able to, and already had too many emotions. A lot of people were like, Oh, I stopped drinking and I got my emotions back. I already had too many. I felt like to begin with, which is why I did all this stuff, but it's like, um, it's about healing now and, and emotionally growing and, and helping others do the same. Um, and just feeling like inside I'd had enough. And then the signs just started pouring out everywhere. Um, like I got caught selling weed and my dad's roommate had this 25 year sobriety coin he gave me and, uh, just, just hands, you know, I think there were signs all along the way. It was just, I had to be willing to get help and being getting sober seemed really extreme to me too. I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I ever pot in alcohol. I don't know guys. Um, you know, but my living, my behavior was pretty extreme. Um, but those are the people I rolled with. I knew people who were way worse than me. So it was just like inside. I couldn't live like it enough, but it, since getting into recovery, I've learned to love myself more than ever. I've learned to be of service more than ever. It's made me really humble and enjoy being of service more. And that has actually fed, you know, my careers as an actor and musician, because the more it's not about me, the more I get to be of service in that way, like showing up. How can I serve the story? How can I, how can I heal people today through music? How can I provide a space of, of fun and dancing and laughter? And as a coach, it's, it's how can I provide a space for trust and vulnerability and um, ultimate transparency and, and love so that what's truly underneath that's waiting to come out can really be explored and, and grown and blossoms, you know, stepping into to our greatness. Cause I believe like the Marion Williamson quote, it's our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, our, our, our stories are, are uh, almost identical minus the being on law and order <laughs> and, <laughs> and getting busted in a, in a in a kilt um yeah yeah and a kilt only and uh did you smoke meth in la and go up to the hollywood side as well i i, I did not um i have almost not, got arrested there too i um and i appreciate that meth is one thing thank god that i never uh discovered but i did do i did have coke uh delivered to me at john Gotti's restaurant and nice. uh, did some with in the basement and um i hope that sounds yeah, familiar was that in new york i think i knew those guys absolutely yeah right you hey might, yeah. forget about it uh-huh <laughs> i so i the the new york thing too i have um family and maybe in, that's where right. i recognize you maybe yeah. in one of those basements <laughs> was right yeah you might have been holding the mirror um <laughs> we like family grew up in staten island um and now there's i have my one cousin who went to NYU as well is in Brooklyn. Um, and my two other cousins are in, excuse me, three. Amanda's going to be pissed I said that, but all, all in Manhattan now. She went to FIT, I believe. But I've spent a lot of time in old uh, the Big Apple, and um, I still love it. Looking forward to the next time I can get out there to visit. Um, it's great recovery there. I mean, it's, it's you can party 24 hours a day, but you can also get sober 24 hours a day. Though. Right. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. I mean, the 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 hardcore the sober parties I've been to have been crazy. These people I, are like, "Are you sure they're not on drugs?" Right. That's funny because they're all the like old rock stars, you know. <laughs> I, I that, that I next time I'm in the city, you're gonna have to point me to. I have to check that out. I I, I did New when Year's I, Eve, Halloween, you know, like the big ones. Those are like. Serious sober okay. parties. Get some of those straight edge punk rock guys. They'll, they'll yeah. be pretty crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I um before it was right after my my father died, um and I just that's when I the bottom fell out and I got as low as I could. Um I was in Manhattan. His it's his sister that lives in Santa Ana and mm, my sorry cousin's to hear still that. Uh, I appreciate it. It's uh, still a, a stinger eight years later, but um, but him and I are still close. We I, we we bitch at each other uh, almost on a daily uh, 
basis, but um, I was at a club and, and I was connecting with it. It was I think this girl she she had to be Jewish because she was making fun of a she she was she made fun of our the New York City clubs that close at six a.m. because the ones in in like Jerusalem and Israel they go till. I mean, they're rolling their balls off till in the afternoon, I think, from the <laughs> night before an open club. So I was like, man, I, I good thing I didn't grow up over there. I would I'd be dead by now with with fucking bars that are staying up till. Oh, my God. Yeah. Lunchtime. <laughs> those those in New York closed down, but they used to have those, too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know. One yeah, thing real you nice. said earlier. It was real cute. Let me tell yeah, you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of forgotten, a lot of forgotten nights there, right? I wish I could forget some of those nights. <laughs> Amen. You and me both. I, I know that feeling. One thing you said at the very beginning um, of the show was about creativity and and how there's no because like, I I used to write just for it's always been fun for me and, and whether I shared it with people or not was a different story but i would write but i would write fucked up um drinking listening to music and the thought of being able to do that sober to me was an impossibility and i heard you touch on that uh at the beginning terrifying (laughs) isn't it like it and and, but it but it's a it's bullshit right oh yeah i mean i did stand up in like my first four months of recovery that was (laughs) That was wow. terrifying. Oh, For the woman, and the woman who came was my wife. I apparently invited her. I had some balls. I was really like, <laughs> big summer's amazing, but I was terrified. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty scary. I It was never not scary, though, come to think of it. And actually, I got to play, uh, I was in an off-Broadway show two years ago. I was the lead in a show called The Crusade of Connor Stevens. And you can actually stream it online. Um, but it was a, uh, actually a, a gay son of a Southern Baptist minister from Texas and he was an alcoholic. And, um, so I, I played a pretty intense alcoholic and, uh, in a very messed up family. It was a very dark play. Mm. <laughs> um, but why am I telling this story? Um, Brian Cranston produced it and you were, we were you talking were about nerves. Yeah. And, okay. you know, getting to, and I actually lost two of my favorite people in my AA group at the time. Um, Joey Boots. He was, uh, Howard, Stern. Howard Stern. And, um, and Baba Bowie, Howard Stern's penis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Baba Bowie. He was in recovery um, when he could be. Like, God bless him. He was the inc- sweetest man. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's just, just a couple other people. Uh, Temi, um, this famous transgender woman who had who had been a prisoner most of her life and a heroin addict. She was incredible. And uh, and then my best friend committed suicide. And that was all like before that play. And so it was just you know I learned God, that man. I could get through anything sober and um, and tell these stories and carry these people with me as like angels now. And I was still nervous, but I was I learned how to, again, turn my pain in, into my purpose and really use these these experiences as gifts to guide me and to be of service, to tell stories from a place of service. Like you guys do this podcast from a place of service. Um, you know, I think that's that's so beautiful. And, uh, and it hit a lot of people because of that. And so that's the cool thing that gets to happen is um, when you're actually... <laughs> Uh, I've done those plays, you know, where I played alcoholics and I was drinking before them (laughs) and, you know, they went well too, but I was definitely not in control like I was when I was sober. And then when I was sober, I could play, you know, so many more range of emotions because I could choose any of them. Um, I could choose how intoxicated I played or not. And I just, my emotional range and specificity got so good. And that's what's helped me hold space as a coach for men who want help now, um, because I really live my dreams now and I, and I have fears every single day, but I don't let them hold me back. I have someone to hold me accountable so that I continue to take actions towards what I care about, which is what I think is really important. Like doing something creative, being of service. Um, you don't have to be an artist, so to speak, to be creative. Um, even construction is a really creative job, but everybody has 
creative mind where they can create their life. And so that's why I use that word creative because we we actually are way more controlled than we ever give ourselves acknowledgement for in life. You know, we have a lot of responsibility, which is what's so terrifying because why would we want to take all of that? You know, it's way scarier to put yourself out there and go towards your goals and dreams because you have more to lose. So most of us are really comfortable at staying small and suffering and feeding our addictions and self-sabotage and being in pain and getting to complain, having something to complain about, you know, addicted to that too. Um, the, the first path you spoke of is, is it, 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 it is scary, but it's so fucking worth it. And it, oh man, it, it's amazing. Yeah. You grow, you learn, you, you empower yourself through, through the failures more than you do the successes. That's, I mm. believe that in a wholeheartedly, you know, yeah. we learned one time from, we talked about church a little bit from a faith aspect. I really believe that God, you know, made us all create tours. Like we're all able to create it doesn't have to be like you said artistically it could be writing it could be just being uh creating relationship with people it it, it's which is uh, i think one of the most important things in life and creating relationship with yourself a lot of people themselves because they're trying so hard to get validation from other people myself included so that's a daily thing i work on Ben, I could bullshit with you for for hours, for days, for weeks, man. I, I there's there's so much we have in common that we haven't even in touched on. Um, oh, thank and I, you. And we haven't even we barely gotten to speak to Jeff. <laughs> I was, listen when we started this podcast. I was just supposed to produce it, and then oh, okay. Chris dragged me on and made me talk. So <laughs> well, now you have a guitar in the background. Speaking uh, of yeah. creative, are you going to be playing for us? Oh no! I no no no! I was uh, I was recording a little bit earlier today <laughs> oh nice nice i've been so. telling him that i want him to create the, like intro music and the and the ending music right now we just um use some artists from a, a, sh- a site that we subscribe to and it's it's pretty cool you know we, it's been the same stuff for the the run of this podcast and i i, I love his voice and and when he starts stringing those strings some of those strings man <laughs> so get to work awesome. jeff yeah he got jeff mad. The first episode, I looked at him. I was just kind of telling my story and the purpose of this, uh, uh, of why, what's next, was uh, the title of episode one. And Ooh, he goes, that's what he, I ask people a lot. It's uh, I, I, I got asked question. it. I, I got asked it from a, from one of my ball breaker board of directors, right? Uh, ah, and, there you go. Because I was like, "Hey, I'm sober. I'm sober." He's like, "Yeah, what's next?" Right? And uh, you gotta, you've lived, uh, you've kind of lived, you used yeah, that good one for quite you. A bit. So are a lot of other people. <laughs> uh huh. So no, so, it's a big deal. But then what? Right? Like exactly. it's a bridge back to life. So the point is to live your life, not mm-hmm. to just stay, take it a bridge back to another bridge. That's yeah. I, I like that. That that's a good way to look at that and you're so right um we were doing that episode and i just looked at jeff and started talking to him and he's like oh shit what and he's answering these questions i didn't even have a microphone i was hoping his was picking me up so, <laughs> so that, i go jeff what do you think this is gonna be the one i can't i can't do this solo so uh <laughs> jeff doesn't struggle with with alcoholism but he's um He's admitted that you know, and it talks about his anxiety uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit. So anxiety, he does struggle with anxiety, and, you know, just general mental health things. But yeah, pretty outspoken about that. Those are things that um, uh, I found that, especially, I actually work at the church that Chris was talking about that we mm-hmm. go to. I do um, production here, and I've done music here for a while. Oh, um, beautiful! And uh, early, are you on, at the church now? Yeah, I am. We have that's a why you have room. such a calm, serene. Yeah. Aura around you. <laughs> exactly. So when I was part of my story is when I was diagnosed with uh, anxiety and depression, it felt like I just couldn't say anything because, mm. you know, you must not be relying on God to, you know, ease those things in your life. And I'm like, well, guys, How interesting that you made it about yourself or God. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Uh, and you're not alone, man. I, I yeah. went through that as well. And uh, I totally understand. And yes. that's the main thing I help a lot of people with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from, um, you know, young men in, in college to, um, you know, I have a client in his 50s who lost his license as a doctor and mm. was really depressed. But now he's starting his own telemedicine business. And that's like turning his life around, even that's through awesome. his depression. Yeah. You know, just creating acts of kindness every day. And um, 
I have four generations of clinical depression in my family and suicide and pretty much I'd say 90% of my closest friends are bipolar. And, um, so I got it, but I also had this great teacher in, in high school that he had ADD. And I remember when I told him I did, he was like, that's awesome. I think everyone should take medicine to be like us. We're the most creative, (laughs) amazing people. And I was like, you know, I've heard that about like, you know, people with, with these disorders and things like it can be your greatest gift. Yeah. Uh, it's just learning to accept it. It's when we don't that it persists. You know, mm-hmm. whatever you resist persists. Um, and there's actually feel your body's trying to tell you something. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I really help people connect to that and yeah. start to listen to those messages. And um, it's important. Our body's so much smarter than we than we know and account for. So Ben, if some, if somebody was trying, if one, somebody wanted to reach out to you, where could they find you and your information about you and connecting and coaching and things like that? Yeah, well, they could email me. My email address is curtisbenjamin at gmail. Um, but also I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Those are great ways. And you can send me a direct message on either of those. I have a, a Ben Curtis business page um, as well as my personal page. I think I'm maybe maxed out there, but just mm-hmm. you can DM me anywhere. I'm available. I put my information on there and my Instagram link. There's a, a link tree to you know my YouTube, my how to book a, a free call with me. Just to, if you're interested in learning more about how I could support you and um, fulfilling on your dreams, and uh, also link to my music, Dirty May, my that. band, uh, I, super fun, like New Orleans bluesy folk rock. That's awesome. Are you a guitar player? I am. I awesome. play guitar, banjo, and harmonica. Oh, that's awesome. Blues cool. harmonica. I mean, we're that's... actually playing our first live show in Vermont this weekend uh, since COVID. I'm really excited. Outdoors, safely, yeah. distanced. Yeah. Um, we're all taking care of ourselves. Kick the dust off, right? you got to get back well, out. I, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to check that out. And I, that's one thing I had written down. I, I was wanting to ask you the name of the band. Say that again. Dirty May. M-A-E. Nice. I think we all got a little dirty May in us. <laughs> My wife is a lead singer, and we met in recovery, actually. Oh, awesome. Um, and so you just never know what's going to happen along mm-hmm. the way. I Getting to tour the country and, and not drink is, you know, I play in bars and breweries. It's pretty intense, but it's yeah. a great reminder of why I don't. Yeah. Um, I never wake up the next day like, damn, I wish I had gotten shit-faced last night, you know? Yeah. It's That's- like, oh, cool, I get to drive, and I get to play the music I want to play, and... Uh, enjoy fucking life. I, I Yeah, I get to enjoy the trees, you know, without a pounding headache, and... Chris, Chris will still belly up to the bar occasionally at his old uh, stomping grounds with a club soda and talk to the... To the oh, guys yeah. getting drunk there. Nice. <laughs> uh, I'm going to a happy hour when, uh, when, we, when we get <laughs> of done, actually. You are. Good for you. I, uh, I've, I don't so, recommend I've, it to newcomers, you know. I but don't. If, if you're able to, it's not for everybody. But listen, you got to know what your, your limits mm-hmm. and your own personal boundaries are. What so I don't I, recommend. I didn't play music for a year because I couldn't mm-hmm. be in bars. It sure. It took a while to get back to that. Yeah. I had my one-year sobriety party where I invited everybody that just in case I – owed him a drink for being an asshole i invited them all at the ta- local neighborhood tavern that i grew up in and across the river from st louis in southern illinois 30 minutes from st louis and that's where i'm actually the bar i'm headed i worked there forever i drank there when i was so like hardcore of you yeah <laughs> what am i what well, am going i going to the tavern give me a club soda jimmy uh, <laughs> all day long that's uh that's my cocktail and that's i really great. think before the podcast, um, I, I've slowed down because I have a uh, as far slowed as slowed down on the club sodas. Yeah, well, no, a little too much. It's <laughs> right floating from the bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting a little out of hand. I I slowed down going to the going out as much because I you know now married with a six year old and that that kind of a game changer a little bit yeah, and, and i can only imagine. You know, I bitch about it, but in all seriousness, I couldn't be more fucking grateful. And um, I go to. When I before the podcast, I, this Pontiff's Anonymous started off as me writing and sharing my story, um, and being vulnerable with it, so people could see some hope in life. And then I would go to a bar on Monday nights, that same bar, and just sit there and post up in case people were struggling, because I really feel 
a lot of people, you, you have to meet them where they're at. And, and uh-huh. I do feel it was a, a gift from God for me to be able to be around it once I got out of rehab. To, to that be is around true service. Home. That's huge. I mean, that's what Bill and Bob used to do, right, is go to the hospitals and go to the bars to find people who mm. needed help because you couldn't just, like, walk around and say, like, go to a meeting and be like, hi, I'm newcomer, you know, right. I'm Jim, here's my number. You know, you sought him out. You went to the real deal where the help was really needed. That's really cool of you. Well, I I appreciate it. it was I know how much everyone at the bar was like, sure, buddies. Yeah. <laughs> as long I as you're to- buying the next round, I'll go wherever you want. I get chirped all day long from uh, from my buddies when we're at the bar, but they've been nothing yeah. but supportive, especially when I'm driving their asses home. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that was a cool thing on tour, too. Um, I'd get to say when we're leaving, be like, all right, you want to stay? See ya. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, and um, what, what, shoot, what was the other thing you were just talking about? That was, um, oh, man, I had it. I lost it. Well, it's gold. It's gone. Just so you know, May May was my great grandmother's name. Oh, uh, Grandma May. So M A E. Uh huh. Oh, that's um, beautiful. It, and I so I, I I won't forget your band name. Um, oh, cool. Thank you. And I I didn't know her that well to know if she was dirty or not. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> was she a uh, pond off? She was <laughs> dirty. She, May is just a, like a, you know about a sassy like that kind of sassy wild side and all of us um and just embracing the dark as well as the light and so we we found a name that really encompassed our sound like may has is this wholesome beautiful um powerful woman but she you know the dirty side just just gives her a little grit and uh and sass and we i mean we make her like none we say her i say her because it's she's really like uh, gender neutral, but um, there's a little dirty man in all this, and you hear yeah, all yeah. the different music because three of us write together. So there's a lot of different influences, um, but it's, it's uh, yeah. I think you can just check it out. It's on, we're on all the platforms, um, and then I also have a YouTube channel um, that has my coaching videos, so you can learn more about me and the band, oh, good. Um, acting real. All kinds of fun stuff, but you know, mostly if you're listening and you think you have a problem and you want help, there's you know, they always say if you think you have a problem, you probably do. <laughs> and welcome to the club, man. Let's like join the cool team of the people you know, the misfits. I love your buddy with with ADHD or whatever. ADD yeah. said, "Hey, that's awesome." What you know? That's Enjoying all. I the like wild that. side. Uh huh. Well, uh, I'll tell you, Ben. You, I, I had it written down that. One of the last things I wanted to to talk to you about um, in our our time here that we have together is is about the hope and miracles that you've um, personally excuse me witnessed, mm. and you, you you touched on that um, a little bit with with seeing people that you've to to find um, to find themselves and and as you're coaching I I I, I know what it feels like to to have us somebody truly be helped through through what you're doing. I mean it's it's almost the the new high, the new addiction if you will if um that I have is is just being there and when you when you really are able to to serve someone uh, for mm. the better. It, it's a I, it's hard to ex- put words and articulate what that feels like. But, Besides calling it a fucking high, it is. So Tony Robbins said, he's like, I'm addicted to this. I got to every day. I really? have to help people. I just like, I can't help it. I need more. You know, he's <laughs> like, he's open about it. It's a the, hunger. The side, the, the side effects of, of, of serving There's others. a high you're going to get, like, by all means, get high off helping others. Go for it, buddy. It, it's the side effects. I've, I've become just, I mean, I'm still kind of an asshole, but way less of one than I used to be. I, I, I yeah. can see it's a, you, you, you become a better listener. You become a better empathizer. And, um, and that's not even what you set out to do. You just set out to help people. And then, oh shit, there's all these positive traits that are growing inside me. So it's been well, a, sure as you help others, you help yourself. So it's, it's one of the best things you can do. Well, I, um, I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully we can, we can, you guys get safe um, when the world gets back to. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever go back to quote unquote normal, but mm. I don't know if that going back to normal is a, a good thing anyway. But 
getting safer and when you guys can start traveling again and if you ever make your way through St. Louis, um, you know, I objective, I say it's subjectively, I family owns a, a it's the best restaurant in St. Louis. I didn't mean to say that, like that but it's... <laughs> yes, it, you did. Just yeah, own it. Come on, Chris. You, it's called Olive and Oak, and um, it's actually our one of our, our two head chefs. Uh, it was Mikey. He just married the head chef. They're, they just got married. Uh, wow. And he was the one on the show. Um, oh, cool. Sticking up for the foster kids. So, oh, so that's, that's... Oh, how neat. Yeah. You know, I've played a lot of really... There's a lot of great... I play like a drunk cab driver in a bar on that show i just realized like all the like i just recently did the sober husband one where that i got to interview with john keno on this and that's really cool because i got yeah. to talk about my real life but also one where i played this just like horrible alcoholic and this me too guy is just gross you know there's a lot of fun <laughs> characters on there as well as the good the bad and the ugly but um you know, I really am here just to sh- to be honest and share my story so that maybe we could help someone out there. And if you know you need help, you you don't ever have to do it alone. I'm here for you. I am not someone to sit around and listen to sob stories and victim stories. Like I'm here to hold you up to your light and help you shine brighter and and live your purpose. And we don't have to wait till things go back to anywhere. We can start living today because all we have is today. Tomorrow's not promised. So thank you guys so much for for doing a show like this that's so dedicated to hope and faith. Well, we can't thank you enough for, for being here. I mean it that the we're just the honors on uh, we're just so honored to have you. And we're gonna share this uh on our podcast platforms. Um we share it on Facebook, we and YouTube and um Thanks for being here, Ben. We, I can't put into words how, how much I appreciate it. Awesome. It's my pleasure. Well, I'm happy to come back anytime. Oh, well, don't, be careful what you wish for because uh, we could <laughs> we could share some stories and go on and on, I bet. Hey, I, I don't say anything I don't mean. So, right. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, we will be in touch. Um, and I mean that. When you come through St. Louis, you got to hit us up. Uh, we'll go have a club soda together. That sounds great. You too, Jeff. Uh, You're invited. Yeah, you and your guitar. Oh, <laughs> well, you two jam, can jam outside jam by the fire pit. I will. Uh, I'll sit back and take it all in. That's right. <laughs> there you go. All right, brother. Thanks a lot, Ben. You have a great afternoon, and um, and God bless you, man. Um, we we can't say it enough how much we appreciate you, and uh, looking forward to uh, sending some folks your way to to get better. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, and I just forgot to mention my Instagram handle is Ben Curtis Official. That's also my Facebook page because I had to make an official, you know, mm-hmm. you know how it goes. You got to be Curtis 2020. Official. Yeah. Or hashtag Ben Believes. You can find my messages out there because I believe in you, whether you believe it or not. There's no better way to end. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Jeff and Chris. Sir. All right, everyone. And everyone um, listening. We will... Uh, we will uh, end on that uh, wonderful note and, and uh, incredible words of wisdom we've gotten from Ben today. Um, we could be more grateful. Thanks, everyone. Let us pray. If you're struggling or know someone that is, please, please have them check out our podcast and reach out to Chris or me. We want to listen, and we're super eager to help. Pondoff's Anonymous is Chris Pondoff and produced by me, Jeff Allen. Our music is Antihero by McCall and Gentle Waters by Wild Wonder. For more information, visit pondosanonymous.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram.